0: You are listening to the Small Eager Hunting Podcast, the podcast dedicated to just anything and everything that is the white-tailed deer. You know me. I'm Ty Miller, your host, founder, and the voice of SmallEagerHunting.com. You are the ones that made this turn from a blog to a website to a YouTube channel to everything that it is. So hopefully you find this New venture, this new consistent delivery of information via the podcast useful, but less chatting on the intro, more chatting on the topic. Let's get this episode started. Let's talk whitetails. All right, guys. Hey, welcome to this episode of the Smaller Hunting Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I'm going to start this one off with just a real brief intro to the point to where. Know that this isn't going to be as long as some of the others. Um, I've got a really specific topic that I'd like to discuss, but first, just a little brief update. Nothing has really changed here at Smallerucker Hunting for myself, besides the fact that everything has been put up, been put on hold. This is not my normal. This is not something that produces an income for me. This is not something that's sponsored. So you'll probably notice that there hasn't been any videos up yet. The podcasts haven't been coming forth as quick or nearly as quick as i would like um jobs are switching got a baby on the way we actually spent the day today uh filling out his room with a bunch of stuff and and spending money and shopping which apparently is really fun if you're a female and married to me but uh if you're listening to this babe i love you but uh made a day of it it's gonna be great But that's why things haven't been coming forth quite as much. But you know what? Honestly, here in northern Indiana, up until the last week or so, we have been so inundated with rain. If you've been paying attention at all to, you know, any of the agricultural reports or things like that, it's just been a saturated mess here in the Midwest. Uh, Parts of, you know, pretty much all of Illinois, most of Indiana, Ohio, southern Michigan, Missouri, all you all you listeners from those areas and even beyond can relate to the fact that you know if you especially if you have a low ground uh hunting spot like our one food plot is still underwater at the swamp property it, and it probably will be well into the summer unless we get a drought so we're praying that that property experiences a drought but maybe not quite as severe on the other properties but i i get a, i i've actually gotten a couple emails where people are stressing out they're freaking out about their food plots and what are they going to do ty what would you do in our situation everybody's so worried about getting you know is it too late to plant soybeans is it too late to do this is it too late to that and you know what if, you, if you're worried about soybeans if you if you are dead set on getting soybeans into the ground um real world wildlife products actually posted a video today i believe it was uh oh i forget the gentleman's name um hop hopkins um, but Wes is on there as well, and they talk about how it's definitely not too late. They've planted beans as late as July. Sure, you may not get as many uh, uh, many pods, but you're still going to get pod out as long as your your deer do not uh, devour it like they do mine. I can I I don't have a big enough spot to grow soybeans without exclusion cages or uh, setting up solar fences, which I have decided not to do, and that's actually going to tie into this this episode. Um, but basically, I just want to tell people chill out like it's fine if you've done your part and focused on providing vegetation to the deer through habitat improvement not just food plots your deer are going to be absolutely fine if there's one thing that thrives on you know a lot of rain it's weeds unless they're underwater obviously um but you know what all the hinges that were done this year before the spring tell you what all this water is helping probably those grow and thrive more than they would have even in other years however I've never really had a big issue with uh, hinges however the few times that I've hinged and then a drought has hit yeah those those that stress of that that cutting of them does impact them and I've had a few die this this spring that we've had I, I bet you you could have hinged pretty much anything and man it's doing great I bet uh, I've seen some awesome videos posted from some people. Got a couple pictures from a, from a gentleman in an email that uh, his he can't he cannot believe the amount of veg- vegetation that is growing off of his hinge cuts, and they're all nipped off. And because of it being so wet, the, the trees just shooting more out, and the deer are just devouring what they can get to. It's insane. So you know the deer. If you've done your part and you've thought bigger than food plots. You, you know, that's the one thing that I think a lot of guys struggle with. And sometimes even myself when I'm, when I'm dealing with clients, it's, it's, it's stand locations and food plots. That's all that, that, that's all they've been crafted to think of. And, and, you know, that's part, part, part of that is to blame by the industry, by the society, by pro staffers, by hunters, by videos, by all those things that sell out there. are always pointing to food plots or stand locations. Like, that is the hot stuff. They don't want to talk about developing a habitat plan. They don't want to talk about creating early successional plant communities or herbaceous vegetation, thickening the cover, getting the getting the canopy released, doing all those things, increases just the amount of tonnage on your property and food, the seclusion and security on your property. And there's actually, I'm actually gonna uh, try to have my friend. Uh, uh, Ryan Katz on here soon And I have spoke about him before He's he's a gentleman that came and took some of the pictures last year for Cicero And a good friend of mine And I, I want to have him on to just talk about Kind of the farmer perspective He's a farmer by trade uh, Born and raised here in northern Indiana And does it, does it for a living But uh, he has had some incredible success Transforming what most people would have just kind of looked over a little chunk of woods, I can't remember offhand how many acres i, I don't i wanna say at most seven it might be only two or three, but it's kind of set up back uh behind his shop through some fields, and then it kind of from there he you can break off out of there and go to go to some other woods a little distance away, but he went in there and and hinged cut, just fired up through gas tank after gas tank and and spent the day there i think he spent two days just cutting nonstop. made some paths worked some arteries cut the edges and everything and he's already seeing that become a satellite buck area for some summering bucks and they've got food there right now you know he hasn't been able to get his crops in the field uh up until just recently so those bucks aren't there because they're near an ag field Those bucks aren't there because there's acorn trees. Those bucks aren't there because there's a really awesome food plot nearby. No, those bucks are there because they've got security cover. They've got uh, a spot that's hard to sneak up on by predators, by humans. Um, To them, they can survive there. But yet, they've also got a ton of herbaceous vegetation growing on those hinge cuts and on that forest floor because he went in and released that canopy. So... I'm actually doing something different this year on my property and I haven't even went to it yet. Um, besides, well, I mean, I've went to it, but I haven't actually planted anything this spring. We decided we're not going to do beans. Um, life was pushing the, the time schedule back for me anyways. And then just the very fact that the deer annihilated it and I want to encourage less doe activity on my property in the summer. Um, and there's plenty of food there between the, the clover, the herbaceous low vegetation that's growing, and the weeds. And I'm going to encourage that by I'm actually going there this weekend. I'm going to fire up the brush hog um, if everything's too long. But even if it isn't, uh, you know, if it's not more than three feet tall, the weeds and stuff, in the leftover food plots, I'm just going to disc them. I'm going to disc them up, disturb the soil. And I know that sounds crazy and it might produce headaches for me later but it's going to encourage uh, weed growth. Um, I probably will take the tank sprayer on the four-wheeler, and there's a couple spots that I'd like to try to get clover to grow, which normally I wouldn't plant clover this time of year. But because of the drought and the situation that we have, or not the drought, but uh, the monsoon weather that we've had and the incredible water levels that we have and and rain in the future, um, I'm probably going to try to plant some. I'll probably plant some buckwheat with it. To kind of act as a nurse crop, I'll throw some clover down, um, I'll, 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 broadcast spread it, uh, I'll broadcast those seeds, and then I will uh, go over it with a sprayer so everything dies and falls on those seeds and kind of acts as a thatch layer um, and moisture barrier, but those seeds will pop up and through it. There's a couple other sections I'm going to be planting, some screening stuff. I've got my soil samples that I need to do and begin to prep this summer for the fall. Uh, food plots so I'm going to disturb the soil on some of those food plots I might spray burn and keep a few of them killed down one of them I know is is about 50 percent underwater um, but a few of them I'm going to just disturb them and let let the weeds grow I've got a great selection of weeds out there that seem to always want to pop back up in that section I've got a lot of wild wild raspberry bushes um, I've got a lot of uh, ragweed that pops up and I, I, I hope to encourage that and release it. And it, it, I know it sounds nuts, but I'd rather have that stuff growing right now because I know the bucks love it, the deer love it. The does will still come there. It's a great fawning cover, but it's not a spot that, oh, there's five, eight acres of secluded soybean plot and all the does are going to be flooding in there. No, I've got bucks summering on my property. They feel safe. They've got food. There's water, and they don't have to deal with the doe families. They don't have to deal with the doe families up and close to them. Because, you know what, just put simply, some of the bucks don't like to do that. They don't get along well with the does, and then, you know, in the fall is when they want to hang out with the ladies a little bit more, and there's a reason for that, obviously. But I want my summer to attract the bucks, and I want my fall to attract the does. Because think of it this way, if I can get bucks summering on my property... And then when the velvet sheds, obviously I'm going to lose some. Happens every year. But some of them stick around because it's, it's their safe zone, it's their good spot, and then it's setting up for the fall. By the time that all starts transitioning, I now have my fall food plot started and in, fresh growth starting to happen, the does are starting to come up, and they might, you know, hey, we're going to stick around here. So I've literally created not a doe factory in the summer, encouraged a doe factory in the fall, And these bucks can stay there year-round because they've got their food and recovery nutrition in the early spring through the summer months, and then they've got the ladies in the fall. I mean, that is the perfect scenario. But I've accomplished that because we don't just focus on food plots. That isn't the only thing we do. And you know what? If I had the tools, the equipment, the... uh, (laughs) <laughs> bulldozers and things like that. And if I had the experience with prescribed burns, which hopefully that'll be coming up soon as far as uh, taking a few classes on that and maybe trying to get in touch with uh, the local state agency and, and tag along and, and learn as much as I can there. I'd really like to start instituting uh, prescribed burns on certain sections of my property to encourage better and more selective growth that occurs. Cause you can actually encourage either woody brows or or not, depending on when you do a prescribed burn. So those are some things. But, you know, a lot of you I know are in the same boat as me. You weren't able to get your plots in like you expected. You know, now you're trying to scramble and catch up. It's not too late. If you really want to have a summer food source, you know, it, it is definitely not too late. If your deer density numbers allow beans, still put beans in. You can still get growth. You can still be successful. And they can still pot out for you. Um of course, you know if, 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 if you do have a really high deer density and you want to get something in the ground, a really good thing to do now would be buckwheat in my opinion. Um, one, it's great for pollinators. It, if you have any fruit trees it's going to encourage bee usage on your property, which is a good thing for anything that has has that needs pollination. Um, so that happens, but it also grows fairly quickly and it canopies out fairly quickly and it, it actually will suffocate. A lot of grasses and, and broadleafs that, that are attempting to take over the plot And it will choke them out And a mature buckwheat stand will then just have Left uh, Kind of an exposed dirt on the ground depend, Depending on, on how uh, Good of a kill Or a burn you get before you plant the buckwheat um, Sometimes you don't even need to Sometimes you can just broad. I know a lot of people will just broadcast Really heavy the buckwheat Through a standing weed bed Just an assortment of stuff in that same day they'll spray kill that standing stuff they won't they won't roll it they won't crimp it because they don't have the ability if you can that's a great way to terminate weeds and terminate growth but they'll just broadcast really strong and and spray kill it in the same day and then let the buckwheat grow up and through and they've had really good success with the buckwheat taking over keeping everything killed off and then as the buckwheat dies they will broadcast their seed into it um there's a lot of people that do that it's a great no-till it's kind of like a poor man's buffalo mix or buffalo blend if you will if you know Grant Woods you recognize that term but they use a crimper in this case you're not using a crimper because you don't have the ability to um, if you're like me you don't own a big enough crimper or own a crimper at all that would do the trick so in in that case you're using your herbicide as as your crimper essentially as your termination process so, but it's not a do or die. I just, I really encourage everybody that if if getting a food plot in makes or breaks your deer usage on your property, I'm gonna tell you right now. I, I bet my life savings. I bet my house. I bet everything that I own. That your habitat is severely lacking. Severely lacking. And I think that's a good spot to end this podcast. I know it's been really short. It's only been. About fourteen and a half minutes, and I know I said I would talk about a few questions that we had coming into it. So, uh, from the last episode, but I'm gonna I'm gonna switch gears because it kind of ties into this. Um, I had a gentleman write in, uh, I forget his name, but I remember the question, and I don't have it pulled up in front of me. Otherwise, I would. Oh, it was Craig. It was it was a gentleman named Craig, and Craig wanted to know, Ty, if you had to choose, what food source. Would you choose if it was the only food source you could put on a property? Now, I do think that Craig's line of thought was what food plot seed or what blend or like what 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 are you going to be planting? But here's the thing. It's not going to be a tree. It's not going to be a food plot. It's not going to be a specific seed type. I don't need any of that. I want native native browse. I'm going to use chainsaws, I'm going to use discs, I'm going to use herbicide, and I'm going to add fire into that blend. And I am not going to ever plant anything, but I am going to encourage as much food to the deer that my property can provide via those methods. I don't need anything else. The advantage to some of the other things is I love clover, I love winter rye, how it it greens up so fast before a lot of other things out there, and the deer can get on it very quickly, and it's, it's a great nutritious source for them to recover out of a winter. It also gives me some hunting opportunities. I've now shot two bucks. My last, yeah, my last two bucks that I've killed have been on a clover spot. Um I love you know everything has its place but I wouldn't even choose that. I would choose native native approaches. I would use hinge cuts to bring food down. I would I would disc and, and to pr- to uh produce w- more diverse uh, seedbed explosion. I would use uh, clathodim to eliminate grasses in areas and encourage broadleaf growth. I would Use prescribed fire to release certain more desirable uh, vegetation or woody browse or bedding cover. I would hinge cut and and log out non-desirable nut-producing trees out of my woods. If I had an abundance of oaks, I'm going to log some oaks as well. Uh, A released oak is going to grow and produce... Better acorn crop than one that's choked by five neighboring ones that are just fighting for a canopy all within too close of a range. If you don't believe me, ask a logger, ask a forester, and they'll tell you the same thing. So that's my answer, Craig. Hopefully that's good enough for you. If you do want to twist my arm, and and in case you plan on rewriting me, what is the food plot that I would choose? It's going to be a really good clover-chicory blend. It's going to be a really good um, real-world wildlife products. I love theirs, but it's going to be a clover-based food plot. I believe they are extremely easy to take care of. I believe the the needed fertilization for them is cheaper than many others. It truly provides food for the deer from spring green up, uh, depending on what clovers you have, easily through the hunting season. And even into the winter, depending on the varieties that you are utilizing in your blend. So that would be my food plot seed if you were to uh, pinpoint me to that or those parameters to the question. So I think that's all I got right now, guys. Um, hopefully I can get some more stuff out to you here very soon. Part two of the, uh, the blog series that I started and released one last last week which was very well received, is due out here in, it'll be out, today's the 18th that I'm recording this, so hopefully you're listening to this on the 19th or something like that. It'll be out this weekend, which I believe is the 21st, 22nd, 23rd. It'll be on one of those days. Stay tuned. Uh, Keep an eye out on Facebook. Keep an eye out on the website, and uh, you'll see that up as well. So God bless, and as always, good luck out there. As I already said before, thank you for listening to this episode of the Small Acre Hunting Podcast. Hopefully, wherever you find yourself, private, public, big land, small land, new hunter or old hunter, there's something that you've learned. For ultimately, that's all I care about. If you have any topic discussion ideas for the Small Acre Hunting Podcast, be sure to email me at smallacrehunting at gmail.com. Be sure to like and subscribe to all the videos on YouTube, like and follow the Facebook page, check out the website from time to time, and as always, stay tuned for the next episode of the Smaller Licker Hunting Podcast. God bless, and good luck out there.